1059 The Region, in partnership with REMAX Prime Properties, present On The Market, real estate advice that works for you. Have a real estate question? Call us at 416-335-1059. Tweet us at 1059 The Region or email us at info at 1059theregion.com. This is 1059 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez with On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show. My co-host and our real estate expert is Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties. Good morning, Asif. Good morning, Tina. And our first guest is a familiar name to our audience. Ben Myers, president of Bullpen Research and Consulting, is back with us with this headline, Rents Will Continue to Rise in 2022. Ben, welcome back. Thanks for having me again. Now, Ben, what can you tell us about the headline about rents rising in 2022? Yeah, so uh, rentals.ca put out their um, you know forecast for uh, you know rental markets across Canada uh, this week, and uh, you know really the focus and the uh, the conclusion was is that we think rents are going to continue to go up. I mean, I think we've we've discussed previously when uh, when I've been on with you guys that you know the pandemic has. Uh, as you know, I want to say stopped, but it's uh, we're ignoring it more than we <laughs> ever have before. People are going back to work. Uh, there's uh, much more uh, demand for downtown rentals uh, than there was uh, in the past. You know, graduating classes are are starting their their first jobs, or and maybe not starting their first jobs, but the jobs that they already started, they're going to uh, to, to to the office, so they're wanting to be closer to. Uh, uh, to their place of work, we've got immigration, um, you know, uh, coming in at uh, at rec- really record pace now. So it's increasing the demand, and and uh, and as you know, being uh, in the, uh, the 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 resale housing market, interest rates are going up. The resale market is starting to soften, so it's uh, you know sending more people back into the rental market or, or keeping them in the rental market. And Ben, is this all about supply and because it's so low that the demand is so high? Well, I mean, I think uh, we've, we, we've talked about the supply situation uh, really at, at nauseum. Uh, we're just not delivering enough uh, supply in the greater Toronto area and, and in many of the, the cities across Canada to keep up with demand. You know, we, uh, uh, supply can't be just, um, you know, evaluated on a per unit basis. It needs to be evaluated on a Per bedroom basis and a square foot basis. So, uh, when some some people when they look at the number of units, say, well, the units that are being built are similar than they as they were a few years ago, um, and, and even ten years ago. But those unit sizes are significantly smaller. So it's not really um, you know allowing uh, the market to uh, to to, to um, you know get the supply uh, needed for families. Uh, and it's not uh, it's not supplying some of those larger units for for several roommates to live together. So, unfortunately, we we just don't have enough supply, and we've got excess demand in the in the rental market, and that's going to going to cause rents to go up. And again, something else that we've discussed is the return of the student to in school universities, and as as we start to see the downtown core really start to repopulate with businesses getting back to in-person work and schools getting back to in-class learning. How much of that do you feel contributes to a downtown core's problem with supply and, and also with rents increasing? Yeah, I mean, students are, are a huge driver of, of demand for rental products. So, um, you know, obviously with Ryerson and University 
Toronto or, or sorry, Toronto Metropolitan University, <laughs> you know, Ryerson, several colleges uh, downtown. Uh, they're all getting back. I mean, I, I did my first in-office presentation for a client uh, this past week, and uh, and I rode the subway, and it was jammed. So, uh, you know, people are going back downtown, and, and students are filling up, and, uh, and and they're taking a lot of those those small units and those less expensive units in the market because that's all that they can they can afford. So, um, you know, definitely a big driver and, and continue to be so. And those are all good signs, right? Seeing public transit full, seeing the downtown core busy. But what about, you know, the smaller cities where people kind of went to for cheaper rents? Is that still happening there? Yeah, it's just a little bit hard to tell. I mean, uh, you know, when, when, when you're looking at some of these smaller municipalities, the sample sizes are just so small, right? And so when you're evaluating, you know, year over year or month over month, it's really hard to tell if the changes are, you know, because of the, the uh, change in the composition of the sample or because, you know, people are not wanting to live there. I mean, sur- a lot of surveys are showing that, um, you know, not all employees, a lot of employees, or the majority of employees want a hybrid work situation, right? So if they're only going to the office once a week or twice a week, then it allows them to potentially live in some of these smaller communities and, uh, and pay, those, uh, pay those cheaper rents. But I think it's still a little too early to say, you know, what's going to happen with some of those smaller municipalities because there, there was a lot of people that moved out to, to, to um, you know, the Kitchener, not that, that Kitchener Waterloo or London or Kingston are necessarily smaller communities, but, um, you know, they moved to those cities from the greater Toronto area. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any pullback in, in rents in those areas after they actually, you know, experienced increasing rents during the pandemic, whereas some of the bigger you know, municipalities uh, in, in Canada experienced major declines. As the market continues to soften or cool, do you see investors scooping up these properties and increasing the rent pool? Well, it's interesting. I mean, it really depends on how fast it's going down, right? You know, I think, uh, you know, anytime there's a softening market, you get less investors, right? I think they they want to get an idea of, of how far this thing is going to go down, right? They don't want to be in a you know negative equity situation or or negative cash flow situation. So I think it's probably a little too early to say you know uh, that investors are going to jump back in and buy some of those cheaper properties just because the market has, it's just now starting to, to to go down, and we really don't know how far it's going to go down. Obviously, there was. There was really no other way to describe it. It was bubble-like conditions in, in February and March, you know, pricing going up 20, 30 percent year over year in some markets, 40 and 50 percent year over year. So that's that's quite an increase. So I think uh, if you are an investor that you got to be you have you have to be, you know, very cautious at, the, at this point in time, because you might view it as a, a great opportunity, but. You know, maybe your appraisal doesn't come in or you can't get the financing for that unit and you might be in a, in a precarious situation. So I think in the, in the short term, I think we'll see uh, less investors than we, we certainly had earlier in the year in late 2021. Uh, and then as we, uh, you know, we, we, we get to a point where, where the market has uh, flattened or, 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 you know, been a little bit more stable for a couple months, I think you'll see the investors jump back in. Ben, can you take us uh, across the country, you know, to the major cities? What are the rent increases in those areas? Well, I mean, we 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 haven't released the the uh, the latest uh, national rent report for for April, but I can give you a sneak peek uh, in in what's happening. So, um, you know, Vancouver continues to be the strongest market. You know, rents are up 
3.3% month over month in April over March. So, so huge, huge rent growth. So the, you know, the average, you know, condominium apartment or rental apartment is uh, almost $2,750 a month in Vancouver. So, um, you know, that's over $450 more than Toronto. So those markets used to be neck and neck, but Vancouver is really taking over as the, as the top market for, for, uh, for rent. Actually, you know, Going into the, the next few cities, Etobicoke, Mississauga, North York, York, Scarborough. So of some of the most expensive uh, uh, markets across Canada are all in uh, Ontario. So really, really interesting to uh, to see that. Uh, we've actually seen Halifax rents go down a little bit. We uh, There was a lot of former Nova Scotians that had moved to Ontario for jobs that have moved back to, uh, to, to Halifax, and they were experiencing some... Uh, um, you know, some big rent growth and, and, and the government was even considering, you know, banning, uh, or put, or, or taxing, um, you know, um, non-residents. So anyone that was, uh, um, you know, buying that wasn't a current resident of, uh, of, of, uh, Nova Scotia. So interesting, uh, to see that. Um, so it, it really is interesting. I mean, the, the prairies have actually seen some pretty, uh, decent, uh, growth. The Calgary, Winnipeg, Edmonton, uh, Saskatoon, Regina. Whereas they had been, you know, fairly flat for 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 a really long time, but you know, the oil boom uh, apparently is back, and uh, I think that will create some jobs and and create some additional demand for uh, rental units. And we can we can certainly look forward to more inventory across the country with those numbers. Ben, do you think the ten billion dollar idea about increasing supply is going to actually happen? Is it realistic? I mean, I, I don't think so. I don't think there's the political will there to uh, to make big changes. Um, you know, the the voter base is is you know the the, the percentage of owners in Canada is seventy percent. They want to you know quote unquote protect their investment, and and so they're they're aligned with prices continue going up, right? Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, NIMBYs out there that don't want renters in their community or less affluent people in their community or shadows or, you know, they want to uh, keep the neighborhood character. They don't want busy streets. They don't want busy transit, you know. So there's all these things that are pushing back against uh, adding supply in the marketplace. So uh, I just don't see the political will to, to, to actually make real changes to the zoning system in this, in, in uh, you know, anywhere in the major cities in Canada. So I think uh, in the long term, we're continuing to see prices trend up and affordability uh, worsen across the country. Thank great insight. As always, thanks so much for joining us again. If people want to read more about the rental reports, where can they find them? Yeah, so uh, if you go to rentals.ca, um, they have a national rent report. You can uh, you can see what's happening on a on a monthly basis. They do some additional blogs. They did a you know a a big blog post on 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 forecasts for the year and looked at uh, you know asked other experts across the country what they thought was was happening. If people want to go to bullpenconsulting.ca, I have some uh, interesting stuff out there on on land prices and condo prices and and uh, and my podcast Toronto Under Construction. Thanks so much, Ben. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye-bye. After the break, the home equity tax petition. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him. 
416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. Or email awesome at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On The Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On The Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. I'm Tina Cortez, and of course, our real estate expert is Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties. And Asif, you have our next guest. I do, Tina. Joining On The Market now is Franco Terrazano, Federal Director of the Canadian Taxpayers Federation. Welcome to On The Market, Franco. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me on today. Now, Franco, before we get into asking everyone to sign the No Home Equity Tax Petition. Tell us a little bit about the work that the Canadian Taxpayers Federation does. Well, absolutely. So we are a nonprofit and nonpartisan organization. We've been around for about 30 years here in Canada, and we have a very simple but I think very powerful mission, and the fight for taxpayers. Uh, especially these days, you got these politicians who are racking up these massive debts. you got these politicians who seem like they're tripping over themselves looking at new types of taxes, and we think that Canadians work hard, already pay enough taxes, so we're here to fight for lower taxes, and we're here to make sure the governments uh, don't waste all of our money. Well, speaking of taxes, as Asif mentioned, the Federation is currently asking Canadians to sign the No Home Equity Tax Petition. Tell us about the CMHC study and proposal. Yeah, so right now, fortunately, Canadians do not pay a home equity tax, right? So it means that when you sell your home, you do not have to pay a tax on the proceeds of the sale. And that is fundamentally a good thing. A home equity tax could come in here and could cost Canadian tens of thousands of dollars. And why it's so damaging is, is think of people like your, your, your parents or maybe your grandparents who worked their whole lives, who maybe don't have a ton of money in a pension fund or a ton of money through their TFSAs, and they're relying on the sale of their home to be their nest egg. Well, you have the government through its crown corporation, the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, corporation that is actively funding research to look into a home equity tax. They're using our own money, $250,000 plus, to study a home equity tax. And we think that it would just be so damaging for Canadians' parents, grandparents, but even younger Canadians who are trying to get into the market. And Canadians have always been a different breed when it comes to home equity and paying off mortgages. And we've, we've always been taught by our parents and, and even through Canadian financial institutions and the systems they put through that, hey, the best thing to do is try and pay off your mortgage as quick as you can. Build that equity. That's your money. And we've always done that and put money into our mortgages and, and established equity and, and gained equity in our homes. And now that's that risk. Yeah, I know. And that's what's so unfair, right? Because you're, you're taught to do the, the, the little things right, or, or you're taught to uh, work hard, um, be able to put a roof over your family's head. And, and not only is that a good thing in and of itself, but that you'll be able to rely perhaps on the proceeds of that to fund your retirement, right? For so many Canadians, their homes are their nest eggs, right? They sell their, their family home and they, they hope to live on that money in retirement. Let me give you a concrete example. And by the way, we have a home equity tax calculator online where you could go in, put how much money you bought your home for, what you think you'd sell it for, and it'll show the tax bill that could come with it. But let me give you an example. Let's say your parents or your grandparents, they bought their home in the Toronto area for about $250,000 back in 1980. Let's say they sold it today for $1.2 million, which is a reasonable sale price these days. Well, they could end up paying anywhere between $50,000 
all the way up to $190,000, depending on a home equity tax proposal. What are the benefits? What could possibly be the benefits of this home equity tax then? It's absolutely mind-boggling. So the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation, again, that's a federal crown corporation. And according to their own website, they have one overarching objective, and that's housing affordability. Well, they funded this report with $250,000 of our tax money, trying to look at ways to improve housing affordability. Well, one of the recommendations in this housing affordability report was a form of a home equity tax. And they're trying to make the case that somehow, if they hammer Canadians with a home tax, well, this might cool off the market. But it just doesn't even make sense. In fact, you have to read the entire report to see that the authors of the report even acknowledge that a home equity tax could increase the cost of living. And it could do that in a few ways, which are pretty common sense. Well, number one, the tax could just be added on to the sale price, right? Pretty common sense, the same way that carbon taxes make gasoline prices more expensive, the same way that sales taxes make uh, essentially the price of everything more expensive. Well, that could be the same way a home equity tax would make home sales more expensive. But there's another way that a home tax can make home prices more expensive, and that's by reducing supply. And it could do that in two ways, or at least one way. You have the buyer or the seller may not want to sell the home So they may want to avoid paying the tax, and that reduces supply, increasing the price. But also, you might see some buyers trying to avoid a home equity tax threshold by purchasing more modest housing. Well, of course, that would increase demand for these modest homes and increase the price to people who are looking to purchase more modest homes. So the CMHC is supposed to be looking at housing affordability, and that's why it's so mind-boggling that it's using our own tax dollars to fund a report that is recommending a a form of a home equity tax. And it's no secret that our gross domestic product uh, for Canada, the majority of it is made up by resale housing in Canada. Now, when you look at the taxes that homeowners are already paying or home buyers are already paying, they've got land transfer tax, they've got HST on services, they've got HST on improvements, there's property taxes. Now, this is almost a tax on tax. And, you know, how is that supposed to help Canadians in terms of affordability? Because you're you're adding a tax to someone at the the height of their career or when when they're trying to retire and and try to save up this money or take money out to, uh, you know, fund their child's purchase through the bank of mom and dad. How does the CMHC even think that this would be considered an actively uh, relevant tax to uh, fund anything? Yeah, it's it's absolutely mind boggling, and and you know not to bring to to make the story about myself, but let me give you a little reason why this really boils my blood when I hear about the government funding a report on a home equity tax. You know, it makes me think about my own mother, who um, for for many for many years she was a single mother raising my younger brother and sister. She worked very hard her whole life. Um, now she finally has a home in southern Alberta, and now I hear about the government funding this report, talking about going after the proceeds uh, of the sale of potentially her home. Uh, Now, how is that going to help my family? You know, what if I'm looking to buy a house in the future and I need assistance from my parents? Well, how will this this tax, taking away money from the sale of my mom's proceeds, her nest egg, how is that going to help me? Of course, it won't. Now, I do want to point out the fact that we do have a housing affordability crisis here in Canada. The last numbers I saw last year 
was that ho- the average home price increased by 20%. But to your earlier point, the issue is all these stifling regulations, stifling taxes. The key to improving housing affordability is to build more homes, not to raise taxes. Now, there is a groundbreaking report from the C.D. Howe Institute that calculates the cost of all these government regulations. In a place like Vancouver, these different regulations, these different charges, these different taxes can add $640,000 onto a home price. So if you want to make it more affordable for people to, to build homes and, of course, move into homes, then we got to cut these, this red tape and we got to cut all these taxes. And, Franco, for years we've heard reports that the government has been denying working on a home equity tax and playing it down until the report came out that CMHC had funded this report. Have you been in touch with anyone at the government level as to where this came from and, and how it was put through? Yeah, I mean, we keep trying to get answers from members of parliament, um, you know, but members of parliament within the government party essentially say, well, you know, arm's length, <laughs> arm's length corporation, what are we going to do about it? But that does, that's not a good answer. I mean, you're our politicians, you're our representatives, you should be putting a stop to it. And Franco, what has reaction been to the petition posted by the Canadian Taxpayers Federation? It's been absolutely massive. Uh, we, we've had over 200,000 petition signatures, and I'm not shocked. This is a huge issue. Like I said, it really boils my blood um, that the government is can even, even funding a report that considers coming after people who worked hard their whole lives and who rely on the nest egg to fund their uh, retirement years. So I am not surprised that so many Canadians are outraged. And uh, yeah, like I said, more than 200,000 petition signatures. Franco, this has been quite the eye-opener. Before we let you go, tell our listeners where they can find the Home Equity Tax Calculator and also where they can read up more about what your federation does. For, for all of that stuff, you can go to taxpayer.com. We have a bunch of tabs at the top. Um, check out our newsroom to see all the different articles and all the different research that we're, we're putting out there, constantly pushing for lower taxes and, and being the watchdog on government spending. But then for the home equity tax petition, there's a tab that says petitions right at the very top. Just click that link, and you'll be able to find that uh, very easily. Franco, thanks so much for your time, and we look forward to having you on again with an update as to how we're doing with this petition. <laughs> Well, that'd be great, and thanks so much for having me on today. Yes, please keep us posted and let us know about next steps. When we come back, your real estate questions and the hot listing brought to you by Souk, simplifying the home ownership experience. This is On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Stay with us. Need to connect with Asif Khan from Remax Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca. Now, back to On the Market on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to On the Market, York Region's exclusive radio real estate show on 105.9 The Region. Time now for our listener questions. John in Thornhill wants to know if you think the buyer's market is on the horizon and if you should wait because prices will drop. Asif, this one is obviously for you. And this is a great question because I'm probably asked this three or four times a day. And it is certainly changing in terms of the the heat of the seller's market over the last few years. But we are very far off from being in a buyer's market. And what I mean is we need about six months of inventory 
for it to change from a normal market to a buyer's market. Uh, a very heated market is a seller's market, and that is usually between one and four months of inventory. But when you start getting into four to six months of inventory, that's a pretty balanced market. And then for it to change, we need more than six months of inventory. We don't have that. We are very, very low on inventory, even with the the way that inventory has increased right now. We're looking at maybe three months in certain areas. However, it's not enough to make it a buyer's market. And what's happening is because of the low inventory levels, you're still starting to see prices increase. So with prices increasing, with the threat of interest rate uh, rate hikes coming up, the best time to buy for buyers is right now. This is your window of opportunity because if you wait and prices go up 10 or 12%, you've lost that much buying power. Okay, so you've covered John's questions. It's not quite a buyer's market, and prices have not yet dropped. Would you call it a cooling of the market, though, right now? Yeah, it's definitely cooler. It definitely is cooler than it was, uh, again, over the last uh, four months or so, uh, even over the last two years, the COVID period. It's cooler in the sense that there seems to be less activity because there's a lot of people sitting on the fence they don't know whether to list right now or hold off. They don't know whether to buy right now or hold off. However, that's causing uh, you know another strain on our inventory levels, and in turn, that increases prices. Our next question comes from Josie in Richmond Hill. How does she know if her house is priced right? While she knows the days of bidding wars may be over, she doesn't want to undersell either. Asif, what do you think? Another great question, and... The reality is you will never undersell because if you are priced too low, you're going to have 15, 20, 30 people lined up at your door to try and get into this property. So although bidding wars are, there's less bidding wars right now, you're still getting bidding wars on, uh, you know, deals that people think are out there or homes that really stand out above and beyond the rest in the area. So you're still getting bidding wars there. They haven't gone away. But the best way to judge your price point is to take the market value of the property and see where you're at. If you're under listing, you know, you could, and and putting an offer date on it, you could face the reality that when it comes to the offer date, you may only have three or four offers and may not get to the price that you want to get to. Uh, And it depends on what that price is that you want to get to. If it's something that one or two of your neighbors achieved during the really hot pandemic period. That's not true market value. That's what someone paid. It was an emotional decision during a bidding war that someone decided to pay in order to secure that property, but it may not be the true market value. So the best thing to do is take a look at the numbers, drop the highest two and the lowest two, and then figure out what the true market value is for your area and price right around there. Because if you undercut it, you may not... Uh, get the results you want. Uh, Unless your house really shows spectacular, then you're, again, like I said in the last answer, you're going to have people lined up to purchase that property. As a reminder, you can send your questions anytime to info at 1059theregion.com. But Asif, if our listeners prefer to contact you directly, how can they do that? They can reach me on my cell at 416-985-CON. That's 416-985-5426. Now, just before we go, the On the Market hot listing brought to you by Souk. That's S-O-U-Q-H, simplifying the home ownership experience. Asif, over to you. You know, we're going to go to a condo, a two-bedroom condo in Midtown Toronto. So this is at Don Mills in Eglinton. It is right 
pretty much across the street from the new LRT line. So there's a stop right in front of the building, just uh, steps away. You've got amenities galore. You've got indoor amenities, outdoor amenities. It's a very centrally located property. It's at Two Sonic Way, which again, it's a couple of minutes to the DVP. Uh, the gardener is a few minutes away. You're you go up the street, uh, uh, Don Mills. You can get up to Fairview Mall. You've got uh, you've got everything pretty much right around you. You're, you're, the Science Center is right there. There's so much happening in that corridor right now. And this is a two bedroom property, and it's priced at eight hundred thousand dollars. This is a larger condo, and it has a parking spot too. It's very rare for Toronto condos around the $800,000 mark for two-bedroom to include a parking spot, but this one does have one. So this is a good idea you would think for an investor or first-time buyer? This would be great for first-time buyers to get their foot in the door. And this property was owned by a first-time buyer. Uh, When they first moved in, uh, you can have an investor who may want to rent out to people that work in the area. I mean, with the LRT right there now, You've got so many different options. Uh, And, you know, with it going right across Eglinton, there's so much that's happening in that area. There's there's so much going on. It's so convenient with transit and with accessibility to highways. So this would be for a young family that, uh, you know, wants to move into a two-bedroom place instead of having like a one-bedroom condo that they were in. Uh, It's got a balcony as well. It's got great views. It's on the 20th floor. It is absolutely a spectacular condo. Asif, the list price and where our listeners can get more information. The list price on this two-bedroom condo at Tucsonic Way is $799. And for more information, Tina, they can contact me at 416-985-5426. That's 416-985-CON. If you missed any part of our show, go to 1059theregion.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Audible. I'm Tina Cortez. Thank you for listening. Need to connect with Asif Khan from REMAX Prime Properties? Call him, 416-985-Khan. That's 416-985-5426. Or email asif at thehomeshop.ca.